Hi, my name is Dale Johnson, and you're tuned into another episode of Young Black Equestrians. I am. I am a young. I am a young. I am. And I am a young. Black. A young black. Young. Black. A young black. Black. Black equestrian. 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 Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. Equestrian. I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Young Black Equestrians with your hosts, Abriana Johnson and Caitlin Gooch. Today, we have another Johnson on the line, <laughs> Dale, here with us from California. He is a polo player, and we are going to hear all about him today. So welcome to the show, Dale. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Happy to finally be here. Good. Well, let's just get started with you telling us about yourself. I I told where you were located and, you know, about your life. Just tell us about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, more specifically, I, I do live in California. I'm from Northern California. I'm a native here. I was born and raised in Oakland, California, and um, have family throughout the region. So San Francisco, Oakland, I've lived in both places. So they're right across the bay from one another. Um and uh, I, I uh, just before we got into the sort of the live discussion here, I was just um, um, letting everyone know I work in fintech. And so that's basically what I do. So my day job is really that I uh, do operations, global operations at Visa. And then uh, I maybe moonlight as a polo player. <laughs> um, and I got into polo really because I was on a, a business trip in Buenos Aires once and uh, I saw a pair of awesome boots uh, when I was buying some leather for my mom down there. And I was like, are those for polo? And the, the, the shopkeep's like, yeah, for polo. And um, I'd always loved horses. My grandfather was a horseman. And so I was like, oh man, I, I want to do, I want to do that because I'm pretty athletic. So I want to do something athletic on horses. And I mean, three years later or so we find ourselves here. So that's about it. Okay, so you just started writing three years ago? Yeah, for the most part. Um, you know, I've got a pretty laser focus. When I really want to get something done, I do it. So um, I basically said, hey, I want to become a polo player, and I, and I did that. So um, I wrote an article um, a few years ago about, or maybe, yeah, a few years ago about uh, dedicating over 100 hours to polo. So I kind of put everything to the side and said to myself, you know, hey, I want to become a really good polo player or at least a decent one. And so I just dedicated most of my week after work to riding and, you know, did that. So got logged in hundreds of hours, um, jumping, playing polo, some dressage, everything, you name it. So um, I did that. But horses are not necessarily... Um, new to me my grandfather as i said was a horseman uh, my family has a ranch uh, just north of houston 90 miles or so and that's where my grandfather was born and it's a place called high prairie and he was a he was born there and it's a, it's a black settlement uh that was founded shortly after juneteenth so um i think a lot of people kind of came into understanding what juneteenth was maybe last year or so i, I was kind of lived it because my grandparents are from texas 
Um, but shortly after Juneteenth, my family went into the cattle sort of business and they founded with another family called the Mac, Mac Adams family. They founded a black settlement called um, High Prairie, which now currently sits in the town of Madisonville, Texas. And so we had cattle and that's where my grandfather was born. I think it's like 1917 or 1918. And his job was really to raise quarter horses. And he did that before he went to college. So um, he obviously ended up moving to California where I find myself, but horses and being outdoors and stuff like that was always the theme of my family. So I've always loved horses, always wanted to be around them, but it wasn't until I got older that I kind of came into my own financially uh, and, and maybe mentally um, to actually to make it happen. So here we are. I love it. Did you have to dig up all of that history about your family? Um, no, not really. So, you know, it's funny, my, my mom and dad are very um, forward about letting me know about my family history. And so uh, they're very proud. My mom is actually originally from the Northeast. So my, my family's like all through Canada, and then parts of like New England, and then largely in New York. Um, and then my, my, my Johnson side of the family, um, they're all from like, like Texas and stuff like that, like East Texas and whatnot. So around the Houston area. And uh, uh, no, my family made sure that I traveled to these places, made sure that I was often moved to those places um, to just kind of understand sort of history, particularly black history within sort of North America. So we obviously had a huge component that was down in the deep South, but then also another component that was like in the Northeast and Canada, uh, which is, is two very different dynamics and really interesting sort of confluence of different, different experiences. So it's kind of where we find ourselves, yeah. <laughs> I'm just in awe, honestly. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a whole history there. It's, I mean, I know from, you know, Caitlin doing all this research into Black cowboy history and me just doing, doing research into my own family history. It is such a blessing to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think my mom has a saying, it's like, you don't like know where you're going if you don't know where you come from. And so just a lot of things. So I've spent a lot of time both and, you know, I spent some time, like I spent a ton of time with my family in the Northeast, some time with my family in the South um, and both just really cool, amazing stories um, and uh, really tie in with just sort of the history of this country, the history of black people. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's inspiring. So I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I, I would love to hear about the work you've done too. <laughs> so much, so much. We're not going to talk about it on this episode because this is right, about, this you. about you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. All right. Yeah. We would have like five episodes if we just talked about it. <laughs> okay, we're just going to have a whole segment with Dale. It's fine. Um, so we'll just go on to our next question. What is one of the biggest challenges you've face with horses and what did you learn from it oh man um yeah the biggest challenge with horses is just like um in polo is just finding a good trained polo pony right so finding a polo pony that works for you um finding a horse that you can kind of grow with and i think that was one of the biggest challenges because there's a lot of people in your ear um telling you, you know that this horse would be great for you and that horse would be great and i mean ultimately it's up to excuse me the rider and the decide and you the player to decide um 
you know, what's, what works. Right. So, and so I think that was like one of the biggest challenges. Um, I've been sort of practicing on my horse, my current horse, Sonny, uh, who I feature a lot in my, my social media. And then of course I play for a club. And so they have uh, an amazing string of horses too. And some of those horses were offered up to me. So, I mean, it came down to deciding whether or not I wanted to continue riding with Sonny and growing with Sonny or would I go with one of these, these other horses? And so there was a lot of different inputs about where I could go as a player, what it is that I could possibly do. And so I, you know, basically said that, um, that I would say that was one of the hardest decisions I made. So personally, I'm, I'm definitely both a head and heart kind of guy. Um, you know, I've got to use my head like Sunny in terms of cost, in terms of being able to grow, um, in terms of those things was really great. But in terms of heart, she'd really kind of grown on me. She's um, an amazing mare. She's really sweet. Um, maybe sometimes a little misunderstood. And so I know how that could be to be a little misunderstood. So I, I went ahead and pulled the trigger on um, leasing Sunny, then eventually buying Sunny. Oh, I didn't know Sunny was a mare. <laughs> yeah, <Sunny laughs> me either. Would have never guessed that based on the name. Really, really her ears are always pinned back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of polo ponies, when you catch stills of them, they're like, oh. right. So I guess game I'll, face on. Yeah. I'll share this tidbit that like most of the, the horses played in polo are mares. Um, it is the preferred horse of the polo player is the mare. Um, rarely do you really find geldings. I mean, they're there, but um, there's just something about the mare, um, nimble, intelligence, all these different sort of components that make them, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion, I think, um, perfect for polo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that kind of goes into the next question, uh, a common misconception people may have about polo. Yeah, so I, yeah, and, and this is the kind of the thing that I, I really want to sort of, that's the barrier that I work to try and break down is to try and make polo um, a little more sort of grassroots, ground level accessible, right? So everybody has this idea of what polo is, you know, the Prince of Wales, um, the vertically code, um, all these things with people like wearing seer sucker and hats. I mean, like if you ever like, take a look at like the vertically code classic, you never even see like polo. You just see like a bunch of people dressed up. Um, so I think it's very easy for people to really kind of categorize polo into like this really kind of interesting sort of leisurely sport. No get me wrong, all, all sports are leisure sports, but polo is an extreme sport. Um, it's the fastest sport in the world. I mean, we can get up to like 30, 35 miles per an hour. Um, if we do a breakaway, um, there's, we bump our horses. There's a lot to it. And there are a lot of dynamics. I mean, it's dirty, it's rigorous, it's, uh, it's, um, it can sometimes be very ag aggressive. And so if you really kind of get into it, you'll understand that polo goes far beyond this idea of like I get, like I said, again, like the Prince of Wales being handed a horse by somebody. I mean, a lot of the people that you meet and a lot of people that I've met, you know, they're, they're, you know, maintaining their own strings. They're, you know, doing everything that's necessary to keep these horses together. And I mean, I've got one horse, but to play polo effectively as just sort of an amateur player, I think you need about three horses to play. So if you talk about somebody doing that on their own, when you talk about logistics and cost and, and management, um, it ends up becoming something far less glamorous 
that I think is sold. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that the glamour part is really nice. There's something beautiful about the sport. Don't, there's a lot of finesse, like when we hit the ball or how we ride, there's a lot of finesse into it. So, but behind all of that finesse, there is a, there are hours of work that goes into it. I would say that 90% of my time with my horse is not on the field, but off the field training and you know making sure she's she's right and all of those different things so that we can literally play 15 minutes every weekend because I mean like I'll travel an hour down to our polo field our main polo field where I play and when you have a polo pony you can only play them in two two chuckers is which is a round of polo which is seven minutes 30 seconds and I play for 15 minutes but the whole week before that weekend I'm like clean and tack riding her practicing sticking and balling which is what we call like practice it's almost like shooting free throws it's basically just going out with a mallet and a ball and just hitting around on a field i'd say 90 percent of that work is not even on the field and then that 15 minutes where people seeing us play or if i get another horse maybe up to an hour or so that that's it like so it's um there's a lot of work that goes into it that's unseen um so i definitely want to change that perception that the horse has to be strong the athlete has to be really strong um, and that connection really has to be there. Wow. This seems more extreme than I thought in my head. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, a lot of the champagne and, like I said, the straw hats and the seersucker suits can get people kind of twisted. So um, it, it's definitely um, not necessarily all that it seems. So. Right. What does conditioning look like for a, a polo pony? Um, we ride every day. Um, there are different like things that I try to work on with her. Um, basically stamina is huge. Uh, the, um, polo field, I think is like a, a, like a regulation one is about a thousand feet long. So, I mean, we're doing runs, you know, sometimes you can run coast to coast. Um, sometimes you can, you know, like I said, we're bumping into horses and things like that. So, uh, we're swinging mallets around the horse's head. So getting them conditioned for all of these different components, things that would normally spook a horse, um, can't really spook a polo pony. So running up against another horse, another horse maybe, you know, reeling back or bucking or, you know, somebody swinging a mallet or being hit in the head with a mallet or something like that, or being popped in the butt with a ball. Like all of these things, I mean, these horses have to be almost like sort of unflappable. And so... Um, training her and making sure that she's conditioned for those things is one of the, the components of our training sort of schedule. Um, another thing is just kind of like trotting, making sure she's strong, making sure she has the stamina to go about it. Um, and the same for the player. I mean, I'm always kind of trying to make sure that like I have the stamina to play the game because, you know, 730, I mean, seven minutes, 30 seconds, we're like cantering the entire game. Uh, we're posting at the canter. That's like a huge thing that you see in polo. That's because we're like, you know, that's to help, help us like maintain our energy. Um, there's a lot to it. So you really come off the field like dirty and sweaty and there's a lot of different things to it. So um, yeah, so hopefully I didn't go too long there. No, how did you have to train your mindset to just get used to all of that? Cause you said that you just started riding and then you entered the most extreme horse sport. Um, yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I think a good way to go about it is, is if you've played uh, other sports outside of polo. Um, and I've dabbled in a lot of different sports outside of polo. I think in um, high school, I ran track and field. In college, I played, I dabbled a bit in rugby, uh, played 
racquetball. Um, and so, you know, there's a few things that, and then I actually, I went into like uh, amateur sort of like Olympic weightlifting as well. Um, so all those sports kind of get your mind right about to play. So, um, and a lot of those sports, especially like Olympic weightlifting is pretty rigorous and it's one where one has to do it every day and they kind of have to be consistent at it. So more or less building that discipline and making sure that that happens is, um, was easy. It was easily transferable over to polo. And a lot of the sort of fundamentals that I learned in life, Olympic weightlifting are perfect for polo, like keeping your heels down, hyperextending your back, putting your chest out, you know, trying to keep your hands as quiet as possible, which is something I'm still working on. Um, you know, just all of these different things um, really kind of helped or, or easily transferred into into sort of my sort of tenure with polo, if you will. Wow, that is really cool. That's yeah. Cool. So what vision do you have for the future in your, your riding journey? Oh, beautiful. Um, that's a good question. So each year, uh, my good friend, Oliver, he's um, sometimes in my stories and on uh, Instagram, he's a dude from the UK that I've met playing polo. Awesome, awesome guy. We often tease each other because he's from Essex, uh, which is right across the way from London. So he says he's from the Oakland of London, whereas I'm like from the Oakland of San Francisco. So uh, so it's a little more, I guess, rough and tumble, if you will. Um, so I would say that uh, we, we write our goals down. So the first goal that I'd ever had when I started playing polo was just become a good rider. You know, um, polo is like 80% riding, 20% rules and hitting and all of those other components so my first year was like i'm just gonna ride i played i probably rode more than i ever played polo my second year um was kind of like in second i say two and a half years my second year was like okay you're gonna get out there on the field you're really gonna learn the feel for the game get out there see what it's like to bump up against players run you know play the game at speed hit at speed all of these different things like scare the hell out of yourself which I've done fall off the horse, like fall off during a game, like all those things I wanted to experience, which I did. Um, as I've now owned a horse and uh, keep her stable close to where I live, um, the big part was like, how do I get the logistics to make polo happen? Um, so that was buying a trailer, getting my own rig, like truck. So like I'm on diesel and all that kind of stuff and making sure that that happened and then kind of paying off a lot of those components to say, you know what, now I can play polo at a, you know, sort of the minimum cost. Um, that's a huge factor that a lot of people don't rule in. And that's something that I always like to be very upward transparent about is the cost. So like, if I can transport my horse and keep her close to me, I don't have to pay anyone for lessons. I can keep her trained. I don't have to anyone, have anyone tune her up. I'm not saying that that's not a bad thing. I mean, those that's somebody's livelihood. But for me, where I sit, I mean, I do okay, but not enough to pay other people to do the work that it takes to make polo happen. So I have to do that on my own to make it happen. So um, making those logistics work, making the the costs work. And so like paying up, like paying for my trailer outright, owning my horse outright, and then almost I'll, in a few months I'll own the truck outright. And then that brings my costs and effectiveness down super low. So that was another goal. Now the next goal that I have for polo is like beyond logistics and cost and being able to ride and actually get the, just the basics of the game is now to understand the strategy and the theory of the game. Because there is a lot of theory that is polo. Like, for example, when we play on the field, we play in like this idea of a diamond. Um, we always kind of have to be on the mallet side of the other player so that we can actually take them out with like 
our other mallet or ride them off or whatever it is that you want to ride off is basically when you bump your horse into another one. A hook is basically when you take your mallet as they try to take a swing, you can slap it down. There's a lot of different things in polo that, and a lot of different different defensive plays um, that you can do. Do I dribble the ball and take it with me or do I back the ball to another player? So there's a lot of theory um, into, into now into polo because it is a team sport where I play with three other players um, that now goes into understanding how we can actually win and achieve certain goals. And so um, that's kind of what I'm focused on this year is theory and strategy of the game. Now that I have all of those other fundamentals that I can play the game effectively and regularly. That is cool. How do you communicate with your team on yeah. the field? You just yell? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, Our voice would be gone. <laughs> like a really good polo game, people are yelling to each other the entire time. You know, um, people are yelling at each other. So, um, but there are four people, and you know, basically, if you play polo, I think efficiently or correctly, those people are usually in succession. So you have a fourth who's your back. You have, you know, your first who's your front, and so they're all playing uh, different roles um, in sort of that 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 dance if you will and what they're playing the opposing players do you play? it depends so like you know it just really depends on on the day um so sometimes i might be the most experienced player and so I, i'll play the back um which is generally the number four and that is to be the person who just kind of backs up and the, if you they're the pessimist if you will um they're always going in with the understanding that your team could potentially lose the ball. So if they do, you want to be out there backed up to make sure that the other team can't take it back the other way. Um, the front is always the optimist. They're fighting. They're always kind of going forward and going for, you know, to take it to, I think, to the front. I think that's my understanding. Yeah, I think that's my understanding. Of the, game. the back always backs everybody up. Um, they're a strong hitter um, and strong defender. And I I think in polo, you have to understand the kind of horse that you play, right? So if you got, you know, a, you know, off the track thoroughbred that's, you know, ready to bolt and run, that's great. They can take it down the field if you're a good enough hitter. Sunny is not that. Sunny is, um, she's like this, you know, sort of quarter horse or native horse, if you will, from Latin America. She's really good at ramming. She can pirouette on a dime. She's really good at like knocking things back and going for it. So a lot of what we do is we do a lot more defense, so me and Sunny, um, and we're learning to do that more. So Sunny is not designed to bolt down the field like some horses are. And so that's another thing that you kind of have to understand with polo is like, what kind of horse are you playing? And you know, what kind of player are you? Um, I do like speed, but Sunny is not necessarily, she can run, she's quick, but she is not designed for sustain, sustained speed down that length of field. So without burning her out. And then if you burn her out after so many plays, um, then you got to burnt out horse and you're playing back the whole time. And, you know, there's just a lot of different things that one has to consider when they're making decisions about how to, how to play the game. Yeah, I mean, that's why quarter horses were named that in the first place. You right. Know, just being able to have that, the fastest for a quarter mile, but after right. that, like, don't ask them no question. <laughs> right. right, exactly. They're gassed out, right? So, and 
Sunny uh, very much falls into that category. So we are, that's, that's what it is, so. That's cool. So when you go to play, you're not always playing with the same people. No, no, I'm not always playing with the same people. So like at our club, um, basically, um, you know, they'll mix us up and things like that. But ideally, we want to play, play with a team. Um, and so like a team that you regularly play with. So sometimes I can't play with my friends who I like normally play with. Um, the guy, Ollie from the UK that I talk about, it's always great to kind of just team up with him. Um, there are also people I usually just kind of like vibe with really well. So like, when it's like, oh, we got a team, like good. Like it, in polo, the communication in, in polo is a little, little difficult when you're mixing people up sometimes like we do in our clubs, because, you know, you may not always be comfortable, you know, yelling at people or people yelling at you. So, um, but, you know, I think that that's where, you know, the community building and things like that come in. And I think that that's the great thing that I like about polo is that, you know, each player and each person is forced to kind of get out of their comfort zone, whether that's speed or understanding their horse, understanding their abilities, or then even just something as basic as communicating with another player. Um, yeah, so that's that's really about it. <laughs> How many people do you think you've had to sit down and talk with to understand polo as much as you have now? Wow. Um, the polo community has been super open, super welcoming. Um, I've heard some things in sort of the question, the broader equestrian community um, with, with black people, with, with people of color and things like that. Um, or just, you know, you know, yeah, just in general, like with polo, I mean, it was usually a male dominated sports, but it's actually moving and skewing more to the, in favor of women. Um, so they, they've had men in general have had their own experiences in polo, I imagine. Um, but sitting down, I mean, but so the point that I was trying to make is that everybody's been so open, like so many, and I think the pony is crazy. So people are just like, we're just, I mean, people just bolt their horses down the field. They're like bumping horses into each other. Um, they're like in each other's mallets they are dangling off. The, so I think that we get to look beyond that and sort of respect. And if they see like, Hey, you know, this person's really kind of putting their best foot forward. It doesn't matter. They're just like, this person's crazy enough to play with us. You know what? Here's some advice. And so I've gotten advice from some, you know, amazing players. Um, uh, some amazing, yeah, just, just amazing players from not only here, but from around the world, um, which has been really cool. Like, I put up riding videos and, you know, somebody from the UK and closer to her you know telling me that one day and it's great it's really cool that polo is like a, a, a global sport that's played um throughout the world there aren't a lot of players only about twenty four thousand players worldwide but those twenty four thousand players are scattered throughout the world they're obviously argentina and the united states are the, in the uk are the largest um sort of um, concentrations of players but you have huge contingents of players in africa um in the middle east and in asia um, so, and then of course, down in Australia too, you've got a, quite a few players. I've got a, a boy down there that's playing a little bit, I think still too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing kind of global community. We're small. So I think everybody kind of knows each other, um, or is a degree or two away from knowing somebody who knows someone. So, um, and it's, it's amazing. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a co-ed sport. It's mixed, mixed sex, if you will. So I play with women on my team, men. 
uh, the horse and, and polo is really the great equalizer. And, you know, you can play with, you know, women who are heavy contenders, right? You don't like, oh shit, like, excuse me, <laughs> so-and-so is playing and she's on that team, like we're, we're done. And it could probably be a team of just men. And you see this, some of these stacks up, like these women stacked up against you. Like, it's really interesting to kind of see those dynamics at play now. Um, when you play polo and that and that's like the thing that I really like about the sport is that um, it you know with the exception of the cost um, it could be it could be very egalitarian Um, so yeah so that's that's really that's it that is cool yeah Uh, what advice would you give aspiring equestrians who either just want to get into the horse industry or want to get into polo specifically? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a few things that I was like, you know, um, perseverance, endurance, and just consistency. Uh, in fact, my, my boy and I named my, um, trailer that I take the finished trailer I restored for Sunny. We named it endurance. Cause we always say that like, it, this is like a thing that you just kind of have to endure. There are a lot of days where, you know, I've gotten off the field where I haven't played well. There are days where I'm like, man, this is super expensive. There are days where things are going on. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like if I talk to my accountant right now, he'd be like, Dale, what? <laughs> so, um, you know, it, I think it's just like that endurance and doing something that you want. Like, you know, I think I have this idea, you know, so um, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So basically just kind of persevere and kind of just kind of keep that consistency, if you will. And I think that um, your energy will kind of, kind of just sort of manifest those things to kind of more or less happen. Um, so being consistent and enduring the things, the little things. I mean, sometimes sometimes we have to check our egos at the door. We used to say at the gym all the time, like check your ego. Um, sometimes people will correct you, but it doesn't always mean that they're talking to you. They're talking about something that you're doing. Um, and then if you don't necessarily feel as if you're a place that you're welcome, you got to sometimes make yourself welcome. You know, I mean, uh, somebody, I think I did an interview not long ago. It was either with NPR or somebody else. But they're asking me, like, um, how does it feel to kind of go into some of these spaces? And I said, well, nobody's challenging me in these spaces. No one's telling me that I can not be there. But sometimes that idea of imposter syndrome, that idea of you're playing with people who play polo for generations, you know, the money, sort of that generational wealth and just those differences and stark differences that we see in the United States between, you know, and I'm just going to bring this in, like ethnicity and ancestry, like I'm a black man. I did not have necessarily the same resources and things like that. And I think most people know that, but I think that it's very easy for, you know, people who aren't, who don't fit that paradigm to get down on themselves and ask themselves why they should be there. I don't think they should do that. I think people should, you know, take a breath and walk in there and say, you know, I belong here. It's okay. Like I, I do that every day. I do that at work. I do that at polo. I do that at, at other places. And sometimes you will be, the only person who may look or come from an experience like yours. Um, and, you know, that's mine. I mean, I was born and raised here in East Oakland. There aren't a lot of like East Oakland polo players. I'm, I can tell you, it might just be one. Um, so <laughs> you know, to kind of, kind of do that and make that happen. Um, you just kind of have to, to kind of have the wherewithal and sometimes say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I might be the only one. And, but it, it doesn't mean that I'll be the last. 
And so, you know, you just kind of have to to go out there and, and kind of make yourself known. And, and like I said, I like to represent the sport myself and my family and, you know, my community, Oakland and whatnot, with like the utmost integrity and kind of shows kind of like, you know, what we're made of. Right. So I think that's always like a big thing. So that's what I try to do and try to make that transcend in everything I do, whether it's like work or polo or anything like that. So um, that's what I tell aspiring player and just ride, try and find ways to ride. I've found all sorts of ways to ride to bring my average effective cost down as much as possible and just to make that happen. Yeah. And there are ways to do it. There are people who will want you to train their horses. There, I mean, just kind of exercise their horses. Um, but you kind of like have to ask and like my mom always says a closed mouth don't get fed. Right. So I often, um, I've asked a lot and I've talked a lot about to people who've had more resources to me about, you know, what my goals are and that's opened up some doors for me. Definitely. So, um, and I mean, and that's okay. Cause I'm like old as hell. Right. So, you know, to even like do that is, you know, even like an old person is just like, you know, but people will, will help you do that. Now you need to tell us how old you are. I started playing polo at 32. I literally just turned, like, like I just turned 35. So. Okay, you're not that old. That old. <laughs> yeah. Not that old. Oh. But, but shout out to you being that example and showing people that your life isn't over after 30, <laughs> you know? Like, if you want to wake up and say, I'm going to chase after this dream that I've always had, you can absolutely do it. Yeah, de definitely. You don't really start making decent money till. I mean, if you kind of stay with it, you don't make decent money till sometime after thirty. So <laughs> most can't do nothing until they like post thirty. So they might as well just like reset expectations and say like, you know what, I'm gonna do this at like thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was basically like, yeah. I was destitute in my early twenties. So I mean, <laughs> you know. I <laughs> I, just like people are, I'm gonna do this in my like no you're not most likely I, I did stats and I'm like I'm looking at the bell curve and you fall right in that 65% you're not going to do that so maybe oh, expectations push them just a little bit forward it's okay okay right it's okay yes it is okay yeah, it's okay I never I've never really assigned myself to oh at 40 I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and that um but yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. I, I think we've come across a lot of, there's like two different kinds of people. There's like the young people who are like, oh, I want to start writing like right now. Oh my gosh, I'm looking for sponsorships. I'm trying to find barns, things like that. And then there's yeah. another subset of people that are like, I didn't start writing till later on in my life. And I just don't know of people to connect with. So like right. when people interact with us, we kind of have two different kinds of people. Right. Um, so I'm, you know, thankful that we have someone that can attest to having success being that second kind of person, you know, later in life, you know, not giving up and, st you know, still trying to find community around something that you have become passionate about. Exactly. And I mean, the thing about it is like, as people need to understand some of these like equestrian sports goes like in polo, like some of the older or some of the best players are in their 40s and 50s. And I mean, it's like when you think about like golfers and stuff like that, like Tiger Woods and stuff, although he did really well, I think he hit some of his best like kind of later in life and things like that, where 
you know, your mind is a little bit more focused. And I find myself like, I wouldn't even be able to do this in my twenties. My mind was all over the place. I mean, there was just a lot of things going on for a guy in their twenties. Just no. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I was trying not to laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, I'm like suppressing it. Yeah. That's probably part of the reason why mayors are better for polo. Probably, I would probably say, say that might be a fact. So, um, except when someone's playing a gelding and your mare's in heat and you're like, oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) We are not above into him right now. (laughs) Stop. Yeah, so just like try to move over. It's like, no, that's not how we play the sport today, Sonny. Like, we got to we got to bolt on the other side of the field or something like that. So, or when the mares or multiple bears are in heat and they're like attacking each other, like biting each other. Oh, like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> it's like there's, no, there's nobody here to compete for. Like you don't have to fight against each other. There's, there are no geldings here. Um, but yeah, so yeah, no, I, I kind of like this sort of in my later in life. And then when you look at some of the like polo luminaries, if you will, We've got a gentleman here by the name of Mimo um, Garcia Garcia here, and uh, in, in, he's originally from Mexico, um, but lives here in California, down near near Southern California. Is is like the polo we call him the Michael Jordan of polo. Um, he play. I've seen him play, and he's playing well into his sixties, and he's an amazing player. So as I look at timelines about how I want to grow and progress with the sport, I think to myself like, well, I've got well, into, I've got another good thirty years or so. So there's really no rush um and sort of trying to make it make it all happen today Mm, that is a word that is a word how do you see a lot of injuries in polo well i mean yes and no like with polo i mean we prioritize safety over everything obviously safety of the animal first and then safety of, of the humans as well um a lot of times i've seen falls from um, people not necessarily following the rules, people doing something like dangerous riding, which they'll throw flags for. Um, I've seen people like fall because of maybe not so great equitation. And we have a very um, functional sort of equitation or riding style in polo. Uh, like I say, posting at the canter, things like that you wouldn't see in other, other equestrian disciplines. Uh, we ride most of the time like in uh, the half seat, um, the most of the game. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of different things. So like, you know, if people are too far forward or if they're not doing enough or if they're they're dangerously riding and just kind of sporadically running their horse all around and T-bone into somebody. Um, I've definitely seen like injuries from those cases. I've seen like someone T-bone. I've seen someone fall. And I think I've seen someone like get heat stroke. But, um, but no like deaths, um, nothing that was terrible. Um, but I think the common injuries are like collarbone fractures, people breaking their wrists. Um, I've heard of some people breaking their backs. Um, there are potentially deaths, but that's like in any equestrian discipline. Um, but yeah, I, yes, but there, there, I, I have seen some injuries um, to both horses and players. Interesting, okay. <laughs> I was just curious because I'm like, just trying to envision, like I need to, I need to look up a game. I need to, see what this is supposed to look like um because i'm like you know obviously this is like something that is competitive and fun but 
you know, as it's described to you, it's like, woo, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to thank you so much for talking to us today. And um, I forgot we have the Derby round. <laughs> okay, let's do it. I just looked it up and then I completely forgot about it. Okay, hold on. Let me get our get our uh, questions. Yeah, let's do it. What the heck? Where did they go? Oh, they're right here. Hold on. All right, so this is the derby round. I'll give you a, a drum roll. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you just answer either or, and then we have a couple questions at the end, but first thing that comes to your mind is the answer. All right, English or Western? English. Solids or spots? Solids. Bays or grays? Bays. Brown tack or black tack? Black tack. A sponge or a curry brush? Oh, curry brush. Shod or barefoot? Shod. Bumper pull or gooseneck? A <laughs> bumper pull. We don't have many people that say that. <laughs> I have a bumper pull, so like, you know. That's that is what I said. Okay. Uh, <laughs> rope halter or nylon halter? Ooh, uh, nylon halter. Wood fence or electric fence? Can I say both? <laughs> I mean, if you need to, that's fine. <laughs> right. I, I do like wood fence. I, I, do, I do have a design aesthetic that I appreciate about the wood, so let's go with wood. Okay. <laughs> What is your favorite piece of barn equipment? Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. We grow. Okay. All right. Uh, what's my favorite piece of barn equipment? A rake. <laughs> See, that you cannot live without that. Like, sure who's going to pick up that manure with your right. bare hands? <laughs> no. Right. And a shovel, you just waste all the shavings. Right. Exactly. Uh, favorite piece of tack? My saddle. When was the last time you fell off? Um, Be honest. Two, two weeks ago or something like that. Oh, okay. Well, good. I'm glad you're healthy. Um, if money was no object, what is one horse-related purchase you would make? Ranch. Good. I don't know who's, who has said something. Oh, no. Michael Lynch said he would get, like, a stud fee. But everyone else wants a ranch. <laughs> That semen is like expensive. Yeah, it's almost as much as a freaking ranch. Okay. Yeah, or just buy another horse. Like, you know, these people in their breed lines, their bloodline. There's plenty around. I don't need to, I don't need to stud. So I can just go get another one. Right. I feel you. I feel you. Well, that was it. Thank you so much again for spending time with us. And, Kayla, do you have anything else? I just want to say thank you and make sure you shout out your socials so people know where to follow you. That oh, yeah. No, absolutely. So uh, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. I used to live in San Francisco proper. Um, so my um, handle is SF, like San Francisco, exceptionalism. Um, 
and that's that's it at gmail oh sorry well not gmail shit i, I you know at, at instagram sorry <laughs> don't be sending him no emails y'all just follow the instagram right right, right, right. that's not his email <laughs> That's not even my email, so yeah, you know. Oh. You get a bounce back with a negative, with a negatory. So. You can be like, could not find email address. Right. Yeah. Hey, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again. And um, yeah, your episode will go live on Friday. Oh, I love it. So that means, yeah, there's two things. Um, the NPR stuff is going live on Friday too. So I have two things to look forward to. Well, have mercy. We got we got to compete with NPR. Seriously, <laughs> you say yeah. <laughs> you gotta uh, tell them to put this link in the article. Um, yeah, this episode going live on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, my stomach hurts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, a lot of fun. My face yeah. hurts as always. <laughs> Thank you both so much, so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We will talk to you later. No, indeed. Bye. All the best. All right. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Young Black Equestrians. Head over to our Facebook or Instagram pages and let us know what you thought about that episode. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and have the opportunity to be featured in our next episode. See you next week.